like you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26, Isaiah chapter 26. Title today's message is God's perfect peace. And definitely we need that peace in, in, in our lives, especially in this world today. But more importantly, we need God's peace. So in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. She was born in 1836 in England. Frances Havergal was born into a pastor's home, and she was the youngest of six children. Frances Ridley Havergal had uh, an amazing intellect, very smart, brilliant, and learned to read by the age of three, just like me. No, not really. So, <laughs> but she had a knack also to learn other languages. She actually became fluent in French, German, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. At age 11, Frances' mother died, and she was then sent to a boarding school. At the age of 14, Frances trusted the Lord Jesus as her Savior. She developed then a love for the scripture, having memorized several books of the Bible, the Gospels and several epistles. She actually memorized the book of Isaiah, uh, for example. But uh, she developed a love for the scripture, again, having memorized this. But Frances was best known for her poetry and for her music that she wrote. You see, she had a lovely voice. She was actually trained as a concert artist, a vocalist. She could have become famous and traveled the world and gotten fame and wealth because of that, but instead she chose to use her life to sing for her Lord. As she grew and actually aged, she said she actually developed several health issues and she ended up dying actually at the age of 42. She experienced moments of joy, but also had times of depression and doubt in her life. I think it's noteworthy that so many precious hymns that we read of or that we sing today were written by those who experienced great trials in their lives, and they were tested. And Francis Ridley Havergal was one of those. Charles Spurgeon said of her, he said, There is a center to every storm where perfect calm remain, or perfect calm reigns. There is a point within the circle of the most consuming flame where life is possible without any danger of it being consumed. Miss Havergal seems to me to have got to the very center of the storms that are disturbing others, and she abides in perfect peace. She seems to have penetrated to the very heart of God, who is a consuming fire and rests absolutely in his love. Wow, what powerful words about this lady. So the question I have is, as we've looked at this, so what was the key to Frances Havergal's great and perfect peace that she had? Spurgeon later went on to say that Frances could never have written as she has except for an extraordinary intimacy with God. She was close to God. You see, the one of the songs that we sang here just a moment ago, Like a River Glorious is God's Perfect Peace. She was the one who wrote that. And as we think about this, she definitely, as you read and pay attention closely to the lyrics of that song, and as you maybe hopefully sing that in your heart even today, I think we can say, and I hope you do as well, that we can draw close to God. And so in times of trials, 
His beauty shines, and no flame can hurt us. It's kind of like what we talked about before, uh, being that string interwoven with the chain of God's great power and strength. Isaiah chapter 26, the passage that we're looking at today, I believe this gives us great assurance that we can have God's perfect peace as we trust in him. This chapter, chapter 26 here, is a song of the faithful who experienced great peace and security given by God who is their city, whose salvation or deliverance is in their walls. Though the nations and cities around will fall and diminish, God's city will be lifted up. And his people, the faithful, can enter with perfect peace in mind that God is their unmovable and unchanging rock of ages. That's another song we sang, rock of ages cleft for me. As we think about this, as we begin this chapter uh, here, chapter 26, and we're going to focus mostly on verses 3 and 4, but again, kind of introduction to this, chapters 25 and 26 are really songs that are written by here Isaiah, the prophet, and it talks about really the fall, especially in chapter 25, that those who are redeemed can rejoice in the great power of God and that their enemies and the worlds around them, they are shaken and they are fallen. Uh, It says here in verse... uh, Look with me in chapter 25, and look at me in verse 9. It says here, And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for a dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them. He that swims spreadeth forth his hands to swim. He shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. As we think about this, look with me in chapter 26 now. Look in verse 5. Okay? It says, For he, for God, bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. For the foot shall tread it down, and even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. So as we think about this, those are kind of the way that Isaiah is laying this out. This is really seeing what God has done. Those who are the enemies, those who are unfaithful to God, this is their downfall. This is their end. Their doom is sure. And for that, that's a cause to rejoice. That's a cause for praise. Again, going back to verse 1 now, chapter 26, verse 1. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. The strong city is mentioned here is kind of as opposed to the the city of the worlds, the city of of the heathen, the, the enemies of God, whereas their cities are cast down, the city of God will be lifted up and be raised up. And this, of course, refers to really the millennial time when God's peace will bring will come to this world and he will definitely lift up his city. He will lift up his people. But it's really God himself, his testimony and salvation will God appoint for walls and for bulwarks. That's God's deliverance. That's God's power at work. And for that, he it's kind of an open invitation. Verse two, open ye gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. Those who are faithful have entrance to God's kingdom. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. And so what does it look like to experience then what is life like understanding this and experiencing that? And this is where I believe this is the focus here in verses 3 to 4. Let's read it together again as we before we go in. It says here, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. 
trusting the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. There's three things that we're going to look at today. We're going to first of all see uh, there's a great peace of God. We're also going to see that there's a great trust or confidence in God. And then we're going to finally look at the God, the great God of peace as we think about this. How much in this world do we need peace? Peace, yes, from world events and things that are happening in our lives, but also a peace within the heart that we need as well. In verse 3, it says here, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. So what is the peace of God? What is the great peace of God? There is a peace that we and we'll talk about more that passes all understanding. And of course, we know that according to Romans chapter 5, that being justified by faith, we have peace with God our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we are saved, we do have that peace uh, with God that we have. That, and, and as a result of that, we have a peace of God. And so that's extremely important. So if those who are not saved, to understand God's peace, if you're not saved, it's hard to really comprehend what that is until you have it. You can't have it. So this is important. But the peace that it's talking about here is the peace of really of, of the mind. Peace that is, instead of being anxious and uh, being encompassed with uh, threats around us, we're having an internal peace. That's the idea here. So as we think about this, what is God's peace? First of all, God's peace brings security. It says here, that will keep him in perfect peace. The, the word keep here, the, the Hebrew word has the idea of to guard or protect. So God is, in a sense, he's guarding those who are the faithful, and he's doing that with his peace. He gives peace to that. So he, it's amazing seeing that. So when we think about this, that God's peace, that will keep him in perfect peace. So what is the peace? I think we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about the peace that God gives. And this peace here is the Hebrew word is shalom. You've heard that word, shalom. Okay, so it means peace. Again, in in Hebrew today, if you say shalom to someone, that's a greeting, hello. It's also shalom, shalom, which means goodbye, or of course, the word for peace. So there's a lot of meanings, but shalom also has a deeper meaning as well. It brings the idea of something that's complete, something that's whole, that's kind of well-being, healthy. Everything's put together. When uh, and I use this illustration, uh, or actually, let me give you a different illustration this week. In, in Hebrew today, if you would greet someone, you say shalom, and then you would ask them, how are you? The way you do is you go kind of a more formal way. You say, mashallah ka. To the group, I say mashallah ka. I'm not going to parse uh, uh, pronouns in Hebrew. But nonetheless, you say mashlum cha to a, I would say to my wife, mashlum But anyways, as you think about this, what does this mean? If you hear it carefully, ma means what, or and then shalom, what does that sound like? Shalom. Ka, that's the, that's the uh, pronoun. Okay? And so, mashlum cha, in other words, how is your peace? That's what you're asking when you ask someone in, in Hebrew today, modern Hebrew, of how are you? You're asking them, really, how is your well-being? How are you complete is the idea. But it's really, how is your well-being is the, is the idea. It's something deeper than just how are you. You know, we go on the street today or we even talk to someone on the phone. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You know, it's just kind of a formality. And then you go down to whatever you're discussing. But the true meaning of this is really to ask, how is your well-being? And this is kind of the idea that we have to the faithful. How is your well-being? How is your mind stayed upon God? This is the idea. You see, this shalom, as you see here, the word as we see here, that will keep him in perfect peace. It's interesting, in Hebrew, there is no word here for perfect, okay? It's a different Hebrew word. 
So in Hebrew, it would read this way. Thou will keep him in, not perfect peace, but thou will keep him in shalom, shalom. That's what it says. Thou will keep him in shalom, shalom. It's interesting when in Hebrew, instead of having um, you know, your superlatives, okay, your good, better, best. For example, in Isaiah, early on, chapter 6, this is an example of the Lord. So when in Hebrew here, as it says, that will keep him in perfect peace, it says that will keep him in shalom, shalom. That will keep him in peace, peace. That's a little translation. And so what it's saying is this, as it means you have peace, but you have, it's, it's kind of really focusing and highlighting God's peace. It's really bringing up the importance of God's peace that he gives to you. Okay? God gives you strong and complete peace that nothing is lacking. This is the, the enjoyment of that. So. As we're thinking about this, this is for emphasis. So when you hear a word being doubled like that, perfect peace or shalom, shalom, or peace, peace, it's doubled for emphasis. Thou will keep him or guard him with abundant peace, complete peace. God doesn't just give you peace to give you a day off. He gives you something that will benefit you inside and out. That's the peace that God gives, okay? So God's peace, then, he gives stability. It says here that thou will keep him in perfect peace, or shalom, shalom, peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, what does that mean? The word mind here is interesting, that that is stayed on thee. It really has the idea, actually, what's interesting is that in, in the Bible, about 20% of the Bible is actually in, uh, basically related to the mind. In the New Testament specifically, about 30%, uh, 37% of the New Testament scripture is somehow associated or connected with the mind. Uh, for example, go to the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So the mind is powerful, okay, as we think about this, but also is very unstable at times. I think we could all understand that. As we think about this, God brings his peace, his peace, peace, his shalom, shalom brings stability. And this is really, I think, a better way to say it or to help us understand it is a frame of mind. If you've heard that expression, what does a frame of mind mean? According to one dictionary, it mentions this, that a frame of mind is a particular mood that influences one's attitude or behavior. Someone's in a good frame of mind. That means they're happy or they, they, they're doing well in life. No matter what's around, they're happy, okay? And so that's having a frame of mind. So in talking about this, whose mind is stayed in the, this is your frame of mind. So this is a frame of mind that is stayed or literally the idea of stayed here means to lean or rest upon God 100%. This is why we used that illustration here earlier with the chain and the string. This when our mind is stayed upon God, so our leanings or rest 100% of God, so leaning on God is what you know that you're okay. And this will help us do well. We can rest on the strength of the Lord, not in our own strength. That's powerful. This is the idea. This is the shalom, shalom, the peace, peace that God 
is that he challenges us to rest on him, to basically to lean upon him. I'm making a mess of There we go. Okay. All right. So when we think about this, I like what Charles Spurgeon says this, that the enemy that we have here to the stability is anxiety. Anxiety or worry comes to our minds. This is what Spurgeon says. Anxiety comes to our minds because we often have stray or wandering thoughts. Those who are anxious, you're thinking about the what ifs. Uh, you know, I, I would say probably 90% of what we worry about, we have no control over. Think about that. And that's probably what makes us worried, to be honest with you. But a person whose mind is stayed or 100% progressed or intertwined with God, leaning on God 100%, is a, is a mind that is stable, is a mind that is secure. And so we need to be careful of the stray and wandering thoughts that we have. When you're laying there, you're daydreaming about the what ifs or how's this. You know, you, you can be so taken away and drifted like, like the wind uh, on what's going on in your life. Where is your stability? The Bible challenges us that God will keep or guard him in shalom, shalom, that perfect or that whole peace whose mind is stayed on the The frame of mind that you should have is important, that it should rest upon God. You see that God's perfect peace lacks nothing. It's complete. God's peace is full. And God's peace gives you health. He gives you shalom. You know, a lot of times uh, you probably have heard the word mental health. It's interesting that sometimes it hasn't been mentioned much in, in churches or other groups for that. There's reasons for that probably. But nonetheless, that according to one survey, that about 48% of people have dealt with mental health issues in their life. 48% of people And uh, this is something that, that we should not just simply gloss over or shoo away. This is important. But what's important is this. When you think about this, when you talk about mental health, that's talking about being in a good frame of mind. This is the idea. So someone who is, does not have uh, someone who does not have mental health, or good mental health, is someone who does not have a good frame of mind. They see things differently, or they're affected by the pressures or anxieties that are around them. And so what God has challenged us to do is that we should rest in him 100% and that we should be stayed upon him, that we should be fixed and connected with him. I like what one commentator says this, to be kept in this perfect peace, our minds must be stayed or rested on the Lord. If our mind is stayed on ourselves or on our problems or the problem people in our lives, don't name names, okay, or on anything else, we can't have that perfect peace if your mind is on other things other than what God says, okay? This is what the part of the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That should be our striving uh, effort today, that we should strive to know the Lord, know him intimately, just as Frances Havergal, even with all the, the torments that she had in her life, we should be very much in tune to the Lord. We should be intimate with him and knowing him personally. As we think about this, a peaceful mind is a healthy mind. An anxious mind is an unhealthy mind. This is what it, this is what it comes down to, folks. Now, I'm not trying to shame people in this way, but I want to say this, that God does give peace to his own. He gives peace to the anxious mind. 
the worried mind. And a peaceful mind is a healthy mind. And so this is what God offers that he provides to his own. This is something, again, that the world has a hard time understanding. But God does promise that to his own. You see, a great peace that God gives, that shalom, shalom, helps us to express great trust in him. When God gives you that great peace, that shalom, shalom, he also gives you, uh, and actually we have an opportunity to trust him. It says here at the end of verse 3, because he trusteth in thee. We are given that peace. We can lean on him at that frame of mind, and he and we can trust in him. And that says here, trust he, uh, because he trusteth thee, and then look at the beginning of verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever. So it's interesting, verse 4 or verse 3, we have peace, peace, okay? In verses 3 and 4, we have trust, trust. You see a little pattern developing here? This Isaiah is doing this on purpose, okay? He's saying peace, peace, and now trust, trust. And so again, it has that double emphasis. You can trust in the Lord for this. We have great confidence in as we trust in the Lord. You see here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we mentioned this earlier. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. One commentator says this, that the battle for trust in our lives begins in our minds. If we trust in the Lord, it will show in your actions, but it will begin in your mind. You understand that? Let me say this again. I think this is key. The battle for trust in our lives begins in our minds. This is having a mind state on the frame of mind. If we trust in the Lord, it will show in our actions, but it will begin in our mind. All right? So this is important as we see that. Uh, Psalm chapter 112, verses 7 and 8 says this. He shall not be afraid. This is talking about the, the righteous person. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. It's that frame of mind. Trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Again, we have a, a tremendous privilege to trust in the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He gives us that security, and by resting in him, we have no reason to be afraid, no reason to be anxious, no need to worry, because our hearts are established and our heart is fixed upon him. As we think about this, I like what uh, Vine, another commentator, said this, that the peace possess is not the outcome of mere self-determination. In other words, the peace that God gives us is not something that we manufacture, that we produce, that we work for. Man, if I just have a you know, enough figures in my bank account, I'll be at peace, right? If I have the perfect wife and kids and all that, which I do, but anyways, God, <laughs> but we'll have that peace. We have the, that that nice neighborhood, grass is trimmed all the time. You can get there, right? No shovel all the time. We're at peace, right? But that is not what God's peace is about, folks. Peace is possessed not on the outcome of mere self-determination, rather it is ministered by the keeping power of the Lord Jesus himself. It is that peace which is characterized in Christ. If you notice someone, who is this in the Bible that who is who has that shalom, shalom, that peace, peace, who has that frame of mind that no matter what happens in life, they are trusting the Lord. That's another than Jesus Christ. You look to him as that example. Amazing. So with that, we can trust in the Lord. So again, we have in verse 3, peace, peace. Verses 3 and 4, we have trust, trust. This is that double emphasis now. And guess what? It gets even better because a great peace leads us to great trust in the great God of peace. Verse 4 says this, Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You see here the great God of peace is revealed in here. 
He says, trusting the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We have the great name of God. It's interesting here that when it comes to here, trusting the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah, look at that second mention here, the Lord Jehovah. We see it in English as two different words, but in Hebrew, it's actually the same word, twice. And it's, the, it's actually Yah Yahweh. That's how it is. Yah Yahweh, but it's the same word. Okay? In other words, what's happening here, you're seeing here, basically Jehovah Jehovah. Yahweh Yahweh. It's again that double emphasis. So Isaiah is doing this on purpose. You have peace, peace, trust, trust in Jehovah Jehovah. This is who we serve. You see here, as we think about this, this is the great God that we serve. He is mighty. He is strong. And as we talked about earlier in, in verses 25 or chapter 25 and later on chapter 26, we see his power at work and we see how he casts down the enemies that are around us and his city will be built up and his people have security and peace in him. That is the great God that we serve. What do we see here? We see God's omnipotence, his strength and his power that is above all. This is something that we can easily rest in, folks, when we think about that. Why do we need to be anxious? Why do we need to worry when the chief, the commander-in-chief, has all powers at his disposal, do whatever he will? This is amazing when we think about this. As we sing that, what does this God look like? It's actually interesting here. It says, trusting the Lord forever by the word Lord here. It's also Yahweh, but for the Lord, Lord, or Jehovah, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. It's interesting, verse 4, the end of verse 4 here mentions a God. And here we have a verb here, is everlasting strength, but it's another name for God as mentioned here. Everlasting strength, actually, the Hebrew word is interesting. It's uh, sur, uh, sur awalamin, which means rock of ages. That's what it means, rock of ages. So as we think here, the Lord, Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah is the rock of ages as we think about this. One of my favorite verses is in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. Moses writes here, He is a rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. God is our rock. Psalm 18, 46 says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord is that rock of ages that cannot be moved. No matter what you do in life, no matter what happens, God is always the same. Like Augustus Toplady, who had written that that uh, familiar hymn that we sang just a moment ago, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. By clinging to the rock, we have that promise and that assurance that nothing in life can move us without God knowing, without God being there, and we can rest in him. You see here, as we think about faith here and trusting in the Lord, it's important here that the object of one's faith is just as important as the act of faith or the act of trust. So as we trust in the Lord, it's important that we know this, that the object of our faith is just as important as the act of trust. In other words, we should trust in the Lord with all our heart. And as we see here, trust in the Lord forever, forever, as we see that. And guess what? When can we stop trusting the Lord? There's never a reason not to. From here till eternity to the end of age, which, you know, it's going to go on forever. There's no reason to stop trusting the Lord, folks. He is always there. God has great power in all that. I believe that these verses that we've looked here, verses 3 and 4 especially, 
These verses serve as a foundation for Paul when he challenged us to have a, remember when we went through Philippians, to have a proper mindset for life. Have that frame of mind, that attitude that, that affects our mood, okay? As we think about what does Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 say, most of you have this memorized. Uh, as we think, I know Dorothy has these memorized. It says here, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, that shalom, shalom, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Having that frame of mind begins when we place our trust and have that frame of mind that God is there. And as we are leaning and resting on him, we should be entwined in him that nothing, this is why the Bible says that nothing will separate us from his love. But guess there's times that we experience a life where we feel like we're on alone, where we feel like we're at our wit's end. We feel like we're about ready to be pulled apart, afraid, whatever analogy you want to get. But I challenge you today is this, that we can trust in the Lord forever and be intertwined with him. So the thing is this, how can we find this peace? How can we find this peace? First of all, first of all, I pray each and every one of you has that personal relationship with God. That you, there's been a day in your life that you remember a time when you put your faith and trust in Jesus for your sake, for salvation of your sins. All of us are sinners. All of us deserve God's wrath and God's punishment. But praise God that he sent through his love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to die in our place. And he beckons everyone for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And like I said, when you do that, you will experience the peace with God and you'll have a peace of God. But for us who are believers today, where do we find that peace that we need in the storms of life? I think we should remember the words written by, again, Francis Havergal, who said this, Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. So many believers struggle trying to find peace. To have a frame of mind that is calm in the midst of a storm shows that a mind that is centered on knowing God. Beloved, I pray we won't miss the opportunity to have an emphasis on God's perfect peace. Have an emphasis on God's perfect peace in your life. Memorize these verses. Take it home. Write it out. Keep it before you this week. And when you, and when you go through that tough time, I always have this as a reminder. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trusting the Lord forever, for in the, Je in the Lord Jehovah, is everlasting strength. So here's the point of this message. If you want peace, peace, you have to trust, trust in Jehovah, Jehovah. That's the message today. You see this, a great peace leads us to express our great trust in the great God of peace. Praise God for his word. Praise God for his peace. We can rest on that, amen.